Welcome to Lit in Love. I'm Haley. And I'm Mariah. And this is a podcast about books and the love in books. Woohoo! All right. And so the book that we're going to be talking about today is uh, The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Um, and first, I just want to put out just a trigger warning. There is a brief mention of sensitive subjects such as sexual assault in this book. They'll be discussed a little bit as a plot point. So take care of yourselves and skip ahead if you need to. And with that, like I said, The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. It has a really adorable cover. And when I was doing Googling about the author, she has four books coming out this year. I it's so much four books like if you go to her website go check them out I'm sure that they will be great but John uh, Grisham levels yeah like pumping them out (laughs) (laughs) so one of the big things about love hypothesis other than it being very cute is it's kind of like based in Raylo fan fiction and if you don't know what Raylo is that is Rey and Kylo Ren from Star Wars the newer trilogy uh, they're two characters who are like part of a diet. Also, another thing I'm going to say, Star Wars people, don't come for me, okay? Like, I, <laughs> I'm i like a moderate Star Wars fan. I've watched all the movies. We own most of them. But I don't think that I've seen them all more than two times. So it's like, I don't, I haven't watched The Mandalorian. I haven't watched The Clone Wars. <sighs> I That one I don't get. <laughs> Mandalorian is great, but I haven't seen Clone Wars because I've seen enough of it to know I would hate it. It's it's a lot. So, I mean, someday when I have all the time in the world, yes, I will watch every single Star Wars thing that there is. <laughs> so, yeah, don't come for me. It's just, that's what it is. Anyways, so... But you can come for me because I don't care. <laughs> Direct all <laughs> complaints to Haley. <laughs> all hate mail. <laughs> oh, it's May the 4th today, too. Yes. May the 4th. You pointed that out this, already. This episode yeah. will not come out on May 4th, obviously. No. I wish that I had no. that time. Um, but just <laughs> when you're listening, just imagine that it is May the 4th and you're celebrating Star Wars with us. Yeah, put yourself in that headspace. <laughs> Our friend, who is a teacher, I was talking to her today, and one of her kids, like, oh, last week was like, what are we doing for May the 4th? And she's like, I don't have anything planned. And he's like, well, can we dress up? And she's like, yes, please dress up. And he did dress up as Han Solo. So. (laughs) Did anyone else? Uh, She did not mention anyone else. So it may have just been him. (gasps) He's like, they're like fifth graders. So I feel like maybe some of them would have been dressed up. I'll have to ask her. But it was great. Happy May the 4th Day. Ray- so Raylo is in the last trilogy. There are two characters who like were kind of on opposite sides the entire movies until the very mm-hmm. last one. And then it was like, oh, they're clearly in love and are meant to be together forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, these movies came out long enough. I feel like I'm not spoiling it. But anyways, one of them dies and it's really like upsetting. Mm-hmm. Everybody... Not everybody, but many, many people love them so much. And so their ship name is Raylo, which really rolls off the tongue. It's a great ship name. Mm-hmm. And so this book is basically 
kind of pulled from Raylo fan fiction. This author has admitted to like writing a bunch of fan fiction. Um, I couldn't find the one singular fan fiction it was based on because uh, I did a lot of googling about it. But basically there's a lot of fan fiction tropes and the characters are archetypes and there are nods to the characters in the book kind of being based off of the Star Wars characters from the last trilogy. So it's like you can tell mm -hmm. If you don't have anything to do with Star Wars, it's still an enjoyable book. But it's like the extra layer of context. It's like, oh, that's cute. Mm -hmm. That's an important distinction, I think, when you turn a fan fiction into a published mm -hmm. work. Like, can you get an outside audience? That's important. Exactly. And I think their editors probably were like, all right, so we can't have a lot of direct <laughs> references because it's copyright. And yeah. we have to be able to make money off of this book. But yeah, they're like little nods to original source material and to fan fiction. And it's very cute. And my recommendation is if you like this book, then you'll probably like To All the Boys I've Loved Before because of the same types of tropes. They're very similar. It's just that... Love Hypothesis is about academia and like people who are a little bit more grown up than to all the boys I've loved before. Also, cute thing that this author does is it is called the Love Hypothesis. So each chapter has like a little tiny hypothesis that foreshadows kind of the chapter and it's very cute. So like example, this is chapter two. Hypothesis. Any rumor regarding my love life will spread with a speed that is directly proportional to my desire to keep said rumor a secret. <laughs> That's cute. I really like, they're like little uh, capsules of what the chapter is going to be. And also gives us like a little more insight into who Olive is as a character. And wonderful segue, Mariah. Awesome. Proud of myself. <laughs> um, going into the characters. The main character, her name is Olive. I'm pretty sure it's Olive Smith, but Smith is like boring. So I just went with Olive. And her Star Wars tie-in character is obviously Rey. In the book, she is a Stanford PhD student in STEM. She's like a third year student. She is working on trying to cure, or not trying to cure, but trying to detect on like an onset of pancreatic cancer because her mom passed away due to this type of cancer. And so that's like what's fueling her studies and her research. She is from Canada, so she's studying in the United States, uh, Stanford. She loves sugar a lot. Like, that's mentioned a bunch in the book. She's always getting people to give her sweet things and talks about pumpkin spice lattes a lot. She absolutely hates public speaking. Like, there's several times in the book where she kind of has to, like, overcome that hurdle. And she's also kind of isolated. Like I said, her mom has passed away. Her dad was never really in the picture. She's moved away from where she used to live into like a new place. So she is kind of isolated. She has two really good friends, but like her circle is very small. In the book, it's not directly said that she's demisexual, but it's mentioned several times that she doesn't really feel sexual attraction that often and really only opens up to people she has really intense close emotional bonds with so she's a very complex and interesting character love interest is dr adam carlson who is supposed to be kylo ren aka ben solo aka the guy trademarked aka a known ass on campus in the book <laughs> okay okay the guy is that a nickname <laughs> in this book uh, yeah well it's something that olive has she didn't know that it was him 
And so she mm. just called him the guy. Okay. And it's like at the very beginning of the book. <laughs> and so it's like, it's the guy, which obviously makes me think of the Spy Kids. Uh, yeah. Elijah Wood character. <laughs> yeah. Guy. <laughs> that freaky little guy. Oh, he's so great. I love that he is so excited when people recognize him as the guy. Yes. So obviously he's supposed to be uh, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, and it's great because his name is Adam, and the character, the guy who played Kylo Ren is Adam Driver, Carlson, Car Driver. It all really makes sense. (laughs) And he is in the book described as a young academic rock star, so he's very smart. But he also can be, like, super harsh um, on grad students and uh, a difficult, like, person to work with. And his family is, like, distant but very, like, wealthy. He explains him as financially rich and emotionally poor. And he's also an only child. Oh, poor little rich boy. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, one of Olive's two best friends on uh, FAM and so she's her on is her one of her best friends it's like one of the first people that she meets when she comes to the school and she loves her so much that she starts this whole the whole fake dating scenario in the first place because of her because she wants to make sure on uh goes out with the person that olive has gone out with already and she was like i'm not gonna do it because she cares about olive but off Olive was like, no, you have to do it. And so she pretends to be dating somebody else. So all for her. She loves On so much. I don't think that On has a Star Wars direct tie-in. I could not think of anybody. So we don't know. And then <laughs> other character, Jeremy Langley, who is the said ex-boyfriend hangout buddy of Olive. They're like on good terms, totally fine. No animosity. He just really ended up liking On instead. Olive's other best friend is Malcolm, who is clearly supposed to be Finn. Love Finn. I love Finn so much. Ah, uh, so good. Um, and so he is, like, flirty and fun, and he calls her Kalamata, which wow. is, like, it's so funny and stupid. <laughs> it's believable. It's my level. It's yeah. my level of humor. Totally. It's something that I would do if one of my friends were named Olive. <laughs> Kalamata. <laughs> and so he is, like I said, he's really flirty and all of them are smart. Like this is a romantic comedy set in academia. So they're all super smart STEM grad students. He's her one of her roommates and he figures out that she is doing a whole fake dating thing way early on. And he has very solid advice for her. And he knows a lot about her situation, like her past and her family. And so he's like very caring and has good advice that a lot of friends in rom-coms don't. So good for Finn. Good for Malcolm. Finn is um, adorable. And I love that he's actually a good supportive friend. I feel like that's representative of what I saw in the Star Wars movies. Yes, yes, yes. And like in the Star Wars movies, he's like learning how to be a person. And he's doing a great job. I know. I'm guessing that he's not being deprogrammed in this book, though. No, he is okay. just really tired all of the time because... He's not, like, ex-military or anything. Yeah, no, no. No but... connection to him being a stormtrooper at all. Tired all the time, though? Uh, That's something. <laughs> They're all, like... Okay, I know that we were tired in college, 
But this, like, grad student level of being tired just seems like a whole other level, and I just don't... It feels like... Mm-mm. I know it's not the same as having a baby, but I feel like it almost is. <laughs> yeah. Because they're just staying up all night, all the time, oh, and not eating anything. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is bad. Yeah, it's it's really bad for you. When I hear, like, what people have to live through just to go to law school, I'm like, why does it have to be that way? Does everything need to be it's... a struggle? No. It does not make any sense to me. Oh, and like they're all working for like the same grants. And so it's like whoever can get the money. Oh. And they all have like stipends and it mm-hmm. just sounds so stressful. But yeah, I, I don't know about. I mean, I feel like maybe literature, like literary grad school might be the same. Mm-hmm. So it just seems more impossible to me because it's STEM and I never really like science. Yeah, I mean, I think it's common for people to be like, oh, if you're in STEM, you're automatically smarter than people that are really good at, like, whatever else. But I think a lot of it is um, the way that we're taught in schools and also the competition. Like you said, they're all competing for a few grants and stipends and things. For just a little bit of money. Just (sighs) give me a little bit of money, please. Underfunded. Everything is underfunded. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, who is the next person? Oh, of course, my favorite. Uh, Dr. Holden Rodriguez, who is obviously supposed to be Poe Dameron, who is my favorite character in the new... I say new, but the newest Star Wars uh, trilogy. I love Poe Dameron forever, Storm Pilot forever. Him and Malcolm do get together in this book, and it's adorable. Cute. Nice. And he is uh, Adam Carlson's, like, childhood best friend. Uh, So it kind of, like, nods to the fact that him and Poe had known each other when they were little uh, in the Star Wars Mm -hmm. movies. Um, But he is super handsome and, like, easygoing. He's also a professor at Stanford. So him and Adam just decided to follow each other everywhere. (laughs) And then the villain of this story, Tom Benson, he's terrible. He's such a terrible person. I was, like... Thinking of the Star Wars tie-in, I don't think that he's quite Palpatine. Maybe, like, I don't think that he is. But he, like, could be some other kind of Sith. Basically, some other person from the dark side, because he's a terrible person. And he's, like, very manipulative and cunning. And he's, like, kind of, like, tricked Adam and Olive. Like, he's just... He's a bad dude, but he's in charge of a cancer research lab program at Harvard. So Holden doesn't like him and he says it and it's like foreshadowing. It's like, listen to Holden. Holden (laughs) knows what's going on. Lastly is Dr. Aslan. I don't remember what her first name is. It was another name with an A. But her, I feel like her Star Wars tie-in is General Leia Organa. Um, She is Olive's advisor who is moving towards retirement. She's really kind and encouraging, but sometimes she doesn't really recognize Olive's panic as a real thing. She's like, oh, everything will be fine, (laughs) which I can see how that would be stressful. So you had said specifically that Aslan is obviously um, Chronicles of Narnia parallel. Yes, yes. So it's like, of course, of course her name is Aslan, a wise, wonderful leader. Love that for her. (laughs) And there's also like, the books that I like the most have so many like Uh, pop culture references they have like things with context and so we have this reference to chronicles of narnia both olive and adam in the book are like star trek fans which is also very funny um and so there's like a lot of cute fun things that it's fun to like realize when you're reading cool 
And so those are all the characters. And so since this is a fan, well, it's based on a fan fiction, I tried to like point out as many tropes as I could when I was reading it. I'm sure that there are more, but here's a list of all of them. My favorite thing about the tropes in this book is a lot of the times Olive will mention the trope. Like it's not just that we're recognizing it. Olive will be like, oh my gosh, there will only be one bed. (laughs) Because she loves rom-com. So she brings it into her life. Some of the tropes, rapid fire. Two love interests meet and then one doesn't see the other one. So one is just like secretly pining after them for forever. A sudden kiss of a stranger. Like Mm -hmm. it's needed in a dire emergency that somebody just has to kiss somebody and then they end up falling in love. And fake dating with like specifically set out rules, which I just think is adorable and hilarious. Oh, I put this one on there twice. Mutual pining that each one thinks is only one-sided. So it's like they both think the other person has feelings for other people, but really head over heels for that person the fake dating partner turns out to be super super hot (laughs) like they didn't know they didn't know (laughs) they just worked out that way didn't know it was hidden under all this all this black clothing we didn't know he was super hot (laughs) he took his glasses off it's (laughs) exactly um there's so there's a shirtless scene where he's like playing frisbee at like a picnic (laughs) And it just reminds me of when we first saw Kylo Ren shirtless and his pants were super high-waisted. <laughs> that was a moment. <laughs> it was a cultural reset, is what it was. I don't think the shirtless is actually a trope. I just put that on there because there's a lot of him being shirtless for no reason. If it's not a trope, then it's like a... It's gratuitous. A thing a thing that just happens all the time. Like, yeah. Hilda and I watch Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Somebody is shirtless in every single episode. Every single one. And it's usually Archie. Because the point of Riverdale is hot people. And the point of romance is hot people. Exactly. Yeah. And then, technically, there was not only one bed. There were two double beds. They were in one room. But basically, that was the main thing. Because, like, she ended up needing to stay in his hotel room because they were going to this, like, academic conference. And he's like, there are two beds. And she's like, there will only be one bed. And he's like, no, you can, I have the, like, confirmation. You can, like, see it. And she's like, there's only going to be one bed. And then there was two. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, okay, weirdo. He's like, I don't understand. And she's like, in her brain, she's like, this is what's going to happen. And then the, like, grumpy sunshine dynamic uh, trope is, it's Mm. one of my favorites. I love it so much. Yeah. It's a good one. Andy (sighs) and April. Ah, uh, it's so good. And there's a spicy sex scene that's very detailed. There's only one. So, and I think I was reading in an article that there was two, but one of them got cut. And the author was just like, I think that it works better this way. Like, it's good. It's spicy. But it's a lot. So she had some level of integrity, I guess. <laughs> people are like, where is that draft? Oh, yeah. People are like, where is the second one? Because obviously... uh in fan fiction, there's like a whole, it's very horny in there. It's very, very <laughs> smutty in our archive, right. archive of our own. It's a lot. Um, yeah. As I was just talking to you about Moon Knight fan fiction, I cannot believe. <laughs> I can't believe. Well, and the thing about fan fiction that isn't like in a book form, typically, I can't speak for after, but typically, fan fiction online is going to be every thought that the author has yes. poured out 
over weeks and weeks and weeks and they'll keep updating and keep adding chapters and they like you know they keep the audience they keep people hooked exactly by doing that but then publishing it it's like okay i want this to be taken seriously i want it to be a book i want it to have some level of like literature yes and so they cut a sex scene (laughs) they cut one but yeah it's very spicy so if you do want to read it just uh have that in mind a couple other ones I always say this incorrectly. Amicable? Am I good? That's good, yeah. Amicable exes. Because, like, Jeremy and Olive went out for, like, a little bit, but then they're totally fine not dating. Like, it was not dramatic at all. I like that. (laughs) Then these ones, I was, like, looking at other articles about the tropes. Big man on campus, (laughs) which I don't think that I've ever really heard or thought of myself, but he is, Adam Carlson is, like, very smart, Mm -hmm. and everybody knows who he is. Right. Um, He has to be the best. And then the last one... Oh, yes. He's, like, he has so many grants, and he has published so many papers in different, like, uh, art, different, like, journals, scientific journals. Like, he's just, he's doing very well. And we love that for him. We do. Good for him. He worked very hard. (laughs) And then the last one, the last trope is that, like, the main character breaks the romantic partner's heart because she thinks that it's going to save him. It, like, doesn't, but people do it anyways because mm-hmm. we sometimes like to think we're self-sacrificing. <laughs> we like to think that's funny. We like to think of yeah. ourselves as saviors. That's true. Yep, yep, yep. It's like, oh, I'll be sad, but I'm saving this I'm person. I'm doing the right thing because it feels bad, so it must be right. Exactly, which is wild. Why do we do that? <laughs> Self-punishing. All right, those are all the tropes that I could think of. Obviously, there are probably more, but I mean, that's quite a few. That's great. For this book that is like, what is it? It's like less than 400 pages. It's like 300 something. I read it in like a day when I first read it, like in February. That's a respectable book length. It's good. And so into the plot. And so the very beginning, there's a prologue. I think there's technically an epilogue also, but it's like one page, so I don't think that it counts. (laughs) The prologue is Olive is touring like grad schools and she goes to Stanford and she is using an expired, she's using expired contacts. So they're like burning her eyes and she just runs into the nearest bathroom, which I guess is like a private, uh, like lab bathroom and Adam is just, and Adam is just there like cleaning things. And she's, like, trying to, like, flush her eyes out. And he's like, uh, what are you doing here? Oh, God. Uh, So she can't see him at all. Uh, So she just hears him and she, like, starts oversharing as I am wont to do. Yeah, absolutely. You just start immediately oversharing about, like, being stressed, about being at the school, not knowing if she wants to do grad school. (laughs) And I think... I don't remember what she exactly says, but he's like, I don't know if you're good enough for grad school, but your reason for being here has to be good enough for you. So he's like, Mm. imparts this like wonderful wisdom to her. Mm. Uh, And then she like kind of forgets him, but she always thinks of him as the guy. Yeah. TM, trademarked. Um, And so I I was just going to interject and say what I think of immediately now that I know he comes from a rich family. Um, is like, is your reason for being there good? Or do do we get into that? I don't know if we get into it. 
other than the fact that he really loves science. Okay. Okay. I mean, like, that's good enough. He, I just have a prejudice against yeah. <laughs> entrenched he, prejudice. <laughs> he, uh, there's like a scene in the book where they're talking, he was talking about how his advisor was a really ter like an actually terrible person, not mm-hmm. just very like harsh on their like uh, students because they wanted them to do well. His mm-hmm. advisor was just like an asshole and mean. Um, and so he was talking about how his advisor said that he would never do anything worthwhile. And he was like, maybe I won't, maybe I won't be in STEM and I'll like apply to law school. <laughs> oh so, God, that's I'm his like, backup. Law school. That's his backup plan. <laughs> God forbid. And they, the book makes it sound so dramatic and sad. Like his friend like went and took his law school applications and like turn them into paper airplanes or something he's like you're not applying to law school they're just very into science (laughs) okay um but yeah he probably definitely didn't have to deal with like the debt right that olive and her friends are dealing with right but she does decide to go to Stanford. She decides to do it. And so I think the book is set like two years later, maybe three years later. Well, I think she's a three-year grad student. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's like big jump forward. Mm-hmm. And so she is working on her project, which, like I said, she's trying to find a way to detect uh, pancreatic cancer earlier. Like, she's found biomarkers. I don't really know what that means, but maybe Mm. science people will. (laughs) And so she has two really good friends. And so the thing has just happened where she, her and Jeremy have broken up. They didn't really, like, they're still friends. They didn't really get along dating-wise. But he has a really big crush on her friend, uh, On. And On really likes him, but she's like, I can't date, like, girl code. I can't date him because of Olive. But they're clearly, like, very like, a very good match. And so Olive feels really bad about it. And so she lied to Ann and said that she's dating somebody else, which she was not. And so she's at the lab, like, late at night, and she sees Ann there when she was not supposed to be. And so Ann, like, sees her. And so Olive freaks out and goes to the first person that she sees, asks them if she can kiss them, thinks he says yes, and then she kisses him. Oh, goodness. Okay. And so then when Anna's gone, she realizes that she's kissed this, like, professor who's known to be an asshole on campus. And she's kind of, like, having an internal panic. Um, And he was like, what is happening? She's like, I just needed to kiss somebody. It's fine. Uh, I'll be on my way. And he was like, did you just... I didn't say you could kiss. Then they have, like, a... Uh, it's like a joke, but also not. He's like, all right, I will be filing, uh, what is it called? A Title Nine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's okay. like, all right, I'll be adding that. And she was, because he wants her to explain, like, the reason why. And she's like, it's not really any of your business, which is so bold oh. to say if you just kiss somebody oh, random. <laughs> Technically, that's, that's assault. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And huh. she's like, I definitely thought that you said yes. So then she explains the situation and apologizes profusely because she feels terrible about it. And then I think it's like a couple days later or maybe even the next day she like goes to his office and she's been thinking about it. And she's like, I am so sorry, but that's the reason why I did it is because I want my friend to like be in a good relationship. And I, I don't know. I think it's him that proposes. He's like, all right, well, we could like do this. I could do this for you. This fake dating. 
because he has his own issue, which is very thin, I also think. He (laughs) is trying to get some of his grants released so he can continue some of his research, but the campus thinks that he's like a liability and that he's going to leave because he's like very successful and a lot of other schools want him to come to their school. So the Mm. campus is like not releasing Mm. his funds because he could basically just go anywhere else if they give him the funds because they think he's going to leave. And so he thinks he's like, all right, if I have a girlfriend Mm. on campus, they will think that I'm serious about staying and they will release my funds. (laughs) And so that's what he explains to Olive. And so Olive's like, cool, Uh awesome, fake dating. We're going to set up all of our rules. It's such a thin premise because he's already in love with her. We already know this. Uh, oh god (laughs) it's like it's so crazy i know that we often do not interpret these things for ourselves but if other people are watching they're like yeah he's totally in love with you (laughs) right okay so did he fall in love upon unasked for kiss or did he fall in love before that i think that he like has liked her ever since the contact expiring contacts issue when she first came to the school (laughs) Okay. So he's just been pining for all this time and never talking to her, uh-huh. which is totally healthy. Yeah. Um, Does he get out much or? No, he's like very <laughs> isolated. Also, he like has his close friends, but he also, you think that he doesn't have fun. I mean, he does, but he's like, he's a grump. That's what he is. He's a grump. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they agree to like, all right, we're doing this. And then I think it was on who like mentioned to other people. And then all of a sudden the entire grad program is like realizing that they are going out. And so they kind of like, are like, we have to be seen places. So people think that we are still dating. It's like a whole thing (laughs) and it's so much work. Yeah. So I think that their main thing is they always go to coffee on Wednesdays and he buys her food because she has no money as a grad student. Aw, that's sweet. So, and he like says it like, cause she, at first she was like, no, you're not paying for me. And he was like, I know that your like stipend is barely anything. So let me pay for your coffee and like banana. It's like, first of all, I'm rich. Exactly. Second of all, you're poor. <laughs> yep. Basically. <laughs> Um, and so while this is happening, she has been reaching out to other, uh, programs because Stanford, um, doesn't have like the resources or the big enough program for her to continue her research, like to move it to the next phase. So she's been emailing all these other people, uh, with her advisor and this person, Tom Benson, who is at Harvard, responds to her emails and is like, hey, I'm going to be coming in like the next two weeks. I like your proposal. Let's like talk about it. So she's excited about that. And her and Adam continue to like fake date, learn more about each other, eventually end up having fun and not being awkward because I feel like that's what happens when people are in close proximity for a long time. Right. You either love each other or hate each other. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to get the strong emotions. They end up, like I said, they go on their fake coffee dates, they go to outings together. We learn more about Olive's friendship with Malcolm and Ann, like all of those things, the meaty stuff of the book. And then (laughs) there's a date at the faculty picnic, like I said before, where Adam has to go because he's part of the faculty and then they go because they're all students. And (laughs) 
Ann is the only one who doesn't know that it's fake dating. She thinks that it's real dating. So she's, like, pushing her to, like, hang out with him and, like, put sunscreen on him when he's shirtless. All of these things. (laughs) Good friend. See, Anna's being great and she just doesn't know. And so Malcolm is the only one who knows that it's fake. And so he's always like, I can't, I don't really know how to explain away this. So you're going to have to do what Anna says. And then we realize when they're at one of their like coffee dates that Tom Benson is Adam's friend. So the person who's like looking at Olive's research for his program, they're friends. And so they meet and Olive is so stressed about it because she wasn't prepared to meet him yet. And so he immediately starts asking her about her project. And I think he says something annoying, like, what's cool about your research? And Olive, like, is stammering to try and figure out. And Adam's like, that's a stupid question. Don't ask that. (laughs) I'm like, yes, good. Adam is also interested in moving to Boston to work with with Tom as his collaborator for his research, which I don't remember what his research is about but basically he obviously has a bunch of grants and Mm. stuff for it you kind of see like obviously adam wants to go to boston because olive might be going to boston obviously obviously also we meet adam's other uh professor very smart friend holden rodriguez who is a another one of the professors at um stanford i think olive had him for some classes before but he's like just very easygoing and very nice and has a bunch of stories about adam's childhood that he wants to talk about all the time because they're so embarrassing and sweet and sweet but also embarrassing i am just picturing oscar isaac i well who who doesn't want to yeah i love him i love him so much i don't love him he's just (laughs) Because I don't know him at all. No. I always say that and then I take it back. I'm like, I don't love him. I don't know him at all. I love the... uh, way he presents himself. Exactly. He's just very handsome and I love his acting. Yeah. There, we'll say it there. And he's fun in interviews. Exactly. Him and Pedro Pascal need to have a movie together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Manifesting that into existence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, Olive submitted this abstract about her research and it ends up getting accepted into this into this conference that they're all they all go to they go every year so it's kind of like a symposium where people present on things there's keynote Mm -hmm. speakers etc olive though her abstract gets accepted as a speech and she freaks out because she hates public speaking (sighs) but all of her friends and her advisors like no this is good that means you're doing well like we will help you get through this and her advisor won't be able to come to the conference but uh she's like record it for me it'll be like i'm there and all of like but you won't be and i'll be alone uh, and her advisor is um <laughs> Aslan, right Do- yes okay, yes okay. and she's like it'll be fine um <sighs> and then so her friends help her prepare for this conference Adam helps her prepare for this conference. And she's like, you don't have to. I'm like, not your grad student. He's like, nope, I want to help you. And so he's just like becoming more kind. And they're also texting and being cute and having a bunch of great banter that I enjoy. Well, I'm glad he's being kind to the person he's in love with. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Because we wouldn't stand him if not. No. I mean, do we stand him? I don't know. I feel like you tell me. Great. I mean, I like Olive a lot. I like their 
together cuteness but obviously my favorite is the people who are supposed to be Finn and Poe <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there um <laughs> so they go to the conference and Olive usually um like rents like an Airbnb with her two friends and they all have a really good time on decides to room with her boyfriend Jeremy because she's like oh Olive will be staying with her boyfriend, Dr. Carlson, who will have a nice hotel. Uh, Malcolm, like, finds somebody else to go stay with. And so then Olive is, like, upset. She's alone. And she's like, great. Now I have to find a Airbnb that I have no money for or an outrageous hotel, like, Mm. far away from the conference. And Adam Adam is like, well, you can just stay with me. She's like, I don't want to. There's, like, a big, not an argument, but a whole, like, I couldn't do this. No, I insist. It was, like, a whole thing. Mm. Finally, she says yes, and that's the part where she's like, there's only going to be one bed. And he's like, no, there will be two. And she's, like, in her mind, nope, it's going to be just one because that's always how it is. So they stay in the same room. She goes to her conference, and she does a good job. She's really nervous. She's like, it didn't go terrible. It wasn't perfect, but it... Like, she felt that she did good. And Mm -hmm. then, so Tom Benson was in the, in her, like, speech, I don't remember what it was called. Basically. her lecture or. Yeah, so he did a speech and then she did a speech and then somebody else. So they were all in the same room. Oh, gotcha, yeah. And so then after her speech where she's, like, going back to the room, he, like, comes up to her and is immediately, like, his attitude is immediately, like, predatory it's creepy we don't like it uh the way that he's like talking it's a vibe that you can in like immediately sniff out yeah yeah exactly it's like oh don't all of you should leave you should leave now mm. so he starts talking in like a creepy way and he starts to try and kiss her and she freaks out she's like what are you doing and he basically implies so many terrible things that the only reason that she's there speaking is because she's Adam's girlfriend and Mm. um, that her research is not like important and that for cancer literally and that her uh, like sob that her story about her mom dying is like a little sob story like he doesn't believe that it's true and so he's just He says so many awful things in such a short time. It's like, oh my gosh, like, have you just been holding on to all of this? I don't, it's, it's terrible. (sighs) And basically he's insinuating that he thinks that she is sleeping with Adam so she can like get, get places. And so he, yeah. And then, so he wants her to sleep with him when she starts to go to Harvard in his lab. (sighs) So that's what he thinks their relationship is going to be. And so... Obviously, she is so upset and so heartbroken and she leaves and she doesn't end up celebrating with her friends that her speech went well, like that all of their speeches went well. So she ends up going to the room and being so upset. And she and then one of the things that Tom said to her before she left is she's like, I'm going to tell Adam. And he's like, who do you think that he'll believe? Immediately planning like doubt into her head. (sighs) (sighs) It's heartbreaking. I just read it again today because I wanted to read the last half of the book. And I was like, this is so terrible and I hate it. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty realistic from, from accounts that I've heard. It's like, you think that somebody is a friend or supporting you in your career and they're just using you. We hate it. Basically, 
Olive went back to the room. She's so upset after this has happened. She's like crying. She's not having a good time. Uh, Adam comes back and she almost tells him, but then she doesn't, pulls it back. She kind of makes like a note, like she says somebody said something to the effect that I'm only here because I'm your girlfriend. Oh, I also forgot to mention, Adam is like one of the three keynote speakers at the conference. Big man on campus. A big deal of, a big, yes, yes. Um, And so as soon as she said that, he was like, who was it? Did you get there like bad? Like you should report them basically. Mm -hmm. And she's like, nope, it's fine. She keeps telling him to drop it. And so to cheer her up, he went, he goes and takes her out to sushi. It's like, it's one of those sushi places where the sushi is like moving around you and you like pick the things and it's like all you can eat. (laughs) He was like, we can't do this. She's like, no, it's going to be fun. (laughs) Uh, He was like, it's $20 for all you can eat. That can't be a good idea. And she's like, it'll be fine. Like, he thinks that's too much, or? He thinks that, that he's like, no, he's like, it's $20 for both of us to have all-you-can-eat sushi. That can't be a good, that can't be good sushi. <laughs> I, that is fair. That's very fair. <laughs> She's like, no, everything will be fine, and it's fun. It is fun. So, obviously, she, like, she, like, pulls him into, like, silly things, and he, yeah, he can be silly with her. The sunshine and the grump. We love it. We love it so much. They, I think they end up going to a bar too. So they have some drinks, but they're not drunk. They just like are a little bit tipsy and then they go to the restaurant and then they go back home. So there's no like question of like, was she all right to give consent? She's like, no, we're good. I had drinks like two and a half hours ago. They've been, like, slowly throughout the dinner, like, cozying up to each other, like, getting closer. And then the spice happens. Mm. They sleep together. He is very, like, communicative, like, asking her, like, what she wants, what she likes. Does she want him to stop? Does she want to be going? Like, he's, like, he's doing everything right. right. He's doing a good job. She's enjoying herself. And it's really difficult like, it's very important that she's having this thing happen because, like I said in the beginning, she felt like some things were, like, wrong with her because she didn't feel, like, sexual mm. attraction to a lot yeah. of people. Like, she rarely felt it at all. So this is, like, a big thing. It's very special. It's, Validating. like... Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's very nice. And like I said, it's spicy, but it's good. Great. And then, I think the night... I think the next day... She hangs out with her friends who also, they went and got, like, super drunk. All of these STEM people went and got super drunk, had a bunch of fun. Um, Malcolm and Finn, or not Malcolm and Finn, Malcolm is Finn. Malcolm and Holden Rodriguez hook up and are immediately in love. Natch. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, like, it takes them no time. <laughs> <laughs> they find out, I think On or Malcolm mentions that the grants have been Uh, released like Adam's grants like Stanford grants have been released there was like I think I forgot to mention this but basically they're like all right we'll fake date until this day because the grants are supposed to be released on that day and so there's like a timeline and so Mm -hmm. Olive learns that and she's like oh my gosh it's over it's done so question yes is this common as far as you know with the fake dating trope that there is a expiration date that's predetermined i think so like the um into all the boys i've loved before he's like 
um, one of his rules was that she had to come on the ski trip with him. And she's like, I don't think that it'll last that long. But if we're still dating, then yeah, sure. But there's always this expectation that it's not going to last as long as they think that it will. Then obviously they end up falling in love, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So Olive is like, oh my gosh, I have to, like, it's, we have to end it. And earlier on, Olive learns that she's like falling in love with him and she tells Malcolm and Malcolm's like, all right, so you're going to tell him? And she's like, no, I can't do it. Like, it would be so terrible. It's, she's, she's being very dramatic about it. And... (laughs) Is she like 22, 23, 24? I, she's, she's gotta be younger than us by a little bit. Cause she. But a third year grad yeah. student. So like, yeah, 20, 24. I feel like that makes okay. sense. All right. Sure. But basically she's like, I can't do it. And Malcolm was like, but it would be a good idea to tell him. <laughs> Obviously. And then she realizes that Adam was at the coffee shop when they were having this discussion. And so she thinks that he heard it. And I think that he did. And then she, she lied, said it was about somebody else. Oh, God. So then he thinks that she's in love with somebody else. And then Holden comes up to her sometime during the book and was like, I'm so happy that you guys are together uh, because he had been in. He is like referencing adam pining over somebody that he met a long time ago and he's like i'm so happy that he like got up the guts to ask you out like he's a great guy so both of them both olive and adam think that they're in love with other people and so she's like oh my god she's like all right he's in love with somebody else and also he's gonna go work with tom benson i don't want to ruin his like partnership his collaboration he's gonna go work at harvard like i obviously can't go work there because tom benson is a terrible person but i can't i don't want to ruin his friendship all of us like trying to be very selfless about it so she's like all right i'm gonna break up with him and i'm gonna make other plans to find another lab to finish her work in so that's what she immediately starts doing she doesn't want Adam to choose between his friend and his job opportunities and her. And she ends up emailing her, like, advisor and asking her for some assistance and reaching out to other people. And her advisor's like, yep, I can do that. Also, send me the recording of your speech. I want to hear it because she wants to know how she did. And so Olive goes to, like, listen to the recording and edit it out because it's super long because she recorded basically the whole time. She recorded Tom Benson being a vile human being. (gasps) She has audio proof of him being terrible. So good. And it's, ah, mm, I did not expect that this was going to happen. And they set it up too, because I remember you saying. Exactly. Exactly. It was, I was like, perfect. I loved it. And so she uh, has a conversation with all of her friends and with Holden Rodriguez because she wants to know a little bit more about Adam and Tom's relationship, etc. And Holden is like, Adam is the one who is giving the most to this collaboration. Like, Tom is replaceable in this. Uh-huh. He's doing this because it'll help the lab or whatever where uh-huh. Tom works. And that also... Uh, Holden thinks that Tom like takes advantage of Adam a lot and did when they were in grad school and like helped the terrible advisor be more terrible to Adam but pretended to be helping so like Holden has all of these like reservations about Tom so it helps Olive feel more like resolute in her decision to do what she's going to go do so she goes to a dinner where uh, Adam and Tom are being interviewed by like the Harvard people for their work that they're gonna do and olive like goes and adam sees her there and immediately goes to talk to her because he's in love with her obviously 
and Tom freaks out because he's like, you can't just walk away from our interview. Like, we can't do this. And Olive just starts playing the recording. Oh. So they're both hearing it. And Adam immediately goes feral <laughs> and is like, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you. How could you? He's freaking out. And uh, Tom is freaking out also because he has been cut. <gasps> what does he say? He he was like, you can't, like, who is this person? Like, just trying <laughs> to deflect. Prove that's me. Like, doing a terrible job. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, he's doing a terrible job. Uh, he was not prepared to, he was not prepared to ever be, like, pointed out as doing anything right. wrong. He's been doing this, like, his entire life. He's like, I've got it on lock. So, Adam is obviously freaking out, and Olive's like, don't beat him up in this restaurant. It's not, he's not worth it. <laughs> Wait, does she use those words? She she was like, yeah, he's, he's not, not worth, worth it. She it. says that. And then and then Adam immediately stops, which respect. Nice. And um the person who was interviewing them is like, this is unacceptable. Like I can't and then Adam's like, it I I will explain it to you, but this man he I can't talk to this man. Like I'll talk to you <laughs> in your office, but I can't talk to Tom anymore. I don't want to see him. Sorry to this man. <laughs> And then he says some of the, like, most wonderful things to Olive. Like, before she leaves, he was like, I will take care of this. I'm going to go do this. And then I'll come back and I will take care of you. And I was like, I, that's so good. That's so nice. Yeah. It's good. Step it up for this. So after all of that happens, they all end up, like, flying back to uh, Stanford, back to California. Um, They have, like wonderful double dates with Holden and Malcolm and Adam and Malcolm try to get along because at first they didn't really like each other and then it's just like very cute and nice and they do mention like Tom like being there's like legal stuff that has to happen with title nine but it's happening like they don't say exactly what happened but it's like he's being dealt with and we don't have to talk about him anymore a lot of title nine in this book exactly exactly so I guess it, I think it's good because it's like, yes, we're talking about this. This is how this works. Yeah. And we like to believe that the system will provide us with justice. And I think it does for her. Exactly. It does. And it's like, I mean, yes, she had like audio evidence, which makes it like very difficult to refute. But also I feel like the way the other way this book could have gone is that Olive just told Adam what happened um after it happened immediately mm-hmm. and then he would have believed her yeah i think that he would have i think there's a understandable desire to make it the perfect case so i get it it's yeah. fan fiction yeah for like triumph yeah and then it ends with them like being in love and having the summer off because they're in school <laughs> So they like adorable. Go on bike rides, they go on hikes, they go eat ice cream, they go on double dates. It's just like a very cute, fluffy ending. Love. We love. It's love. A question that will lead us into the next thing. Unless you have closing thoughts. Do you have any closing thoughts? I don't think so. The fluffy ending is the only closing thought. The summer of love, man. <laughs> so my a question that I have is he is a professor and she is a grad student. So what is the age difference? So, oh gosh, I don't know. I should have checked. Hmm. I feel like no more than five years, but maybe so. Is there an age difference in Star Wars? 
Um, I also don't know that. Because I think... I think they're both young in Star Wars. Yeah. Because he obviously is having a tantrum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kylo Ren He's in his had, Saturn return. Yeah. Kylo Ren had the tantrums for no reason. Adam Carlson has the tantrum for a reason. Very good reason. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I feel like no more than five years, but I could be wrong. Hypothesis. Age difference. Let's do that. Love hypothesis. Um, while I fill this, while I look for this, I want to fill this space with, from the title of the book, I definitely thought that this was going to be a different story. I thought that it was going to be some sort of science mixed with love projection. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> like, they were, she was trying to, like, predict something about love. Like, An Abundance of Catherines by John Green. Like, they're trying to find out a formula for love. I definitely mm. thought that that's what this was going to be. So I was sure. obviously surprised. Would you say you would prefer it this way? I think, yes. I like this. It's very cute. I mean... Uh, I do. I did like an abundance of Catherine's when I read it, but who knows how long ago that was? Yeah, I haven't read that one. Okay, according to that artsy reader girl, <laughs> who's oh, the first that one? Yeah, who's the first hit on that search? There's an age gap of about eight to nine years. Okay, eight to nine. Okay, uh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad, but it's more than I would like. Like, personally, yeah. I'm, like, five years is uh, enough. <laughs> yeah, if you're in your 20s. Because it says that she's supposed to be, like, 26, and he's 30-something. Mm. Mm. So, 26, so. 35. Okay. Yeah. All right. And there is so. a power difference, too. Yes. And so that's what, like, when the spicy scene was happening, he was, like, very concerned with it. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, because he was like, I am a professor, you're a grad student, I know you're not my grad student, but it's there's still a power dynamic, and mm-hmm. she was like... He said the words power dynamic? I think that he says something about their, like, positions in okay. the school. Um, so, like, he does recognize it, which is good, but Olive was like, I understand, and I still want to sleep with you. That's good. We love informed consent. Yes! It's good, it's good, it's good. It is the only way. <laughs> it is the way. It is the way. That's a Mandalorian thing. <laughs> God, I was talking to my dad about the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series, because they just released a trailer or a teaser for it or whatever, and I was like, we gotta watch it, and we gotta watch the Mandalorian. And then my dad would like it. He likes Star Wars. Does the Obi-Wan trailer look good? I haven't even seen it yet. I haven't watched the trailer. I just saved it to my YouTube watch later list and looked okay. at a picture of Ewan McGregor. Oh, is that? Okay, yeah. That's right. So, I'm excited. I'll watch the... What was it? I added, like, three things to my watch later today. That and uh, Dan Howell came out with a new YouTube video. I think it's called Why I Quit YouTube, and I'm excited to watch it because I love oh, wow. him. Yeah. It's been, like, two years since he uploaded, right? Exactly. So, I'm excited to watch it. But, yes, so their relationship, like, even though there's an age gap, I try not to imagine it. So, that leads us into the ships in the book and whether we ship them or sink them. And that means the relationships in the book. Do we like them or do we not? 
And so, obviously, the main ship, Raylo, which is... I try to come up with other ship names for all of them, and they're all weird. Uh, all Adam. Adolive. <laughs> what about last names? So, his last name is... Carlson. And Carlson hers is Smith. Smith. Car Smith. Car... Car... Carith. <laughs> Carith. Sounds like Karth. Isn't that a Star Or Smarlson. <laughs> yeah. Smarlson. <laughs> Smarlson. Oh my um, goodness. Smarlson. Karth. Anyway. Yes. Um, based on the information. But I do ship them. Yeah. Based on the information <laughs> given to me. Of course I ship them. They're like a very good match. And it's a very nice little world that they live in together yes and i imagine them being like an academic power couple once olive graduates yeah and i don't know like if she wants to be professor or well i think that you if you end up doing research then maybe you do end up being some sort of like grad professor i think that that's how that works Mm. but i just imagine them like being professors together and everybody is surprised that this like grumpy man loves the sunshiny lady or the sunshiny lady loves him i just think it's so cute that is cute they have a cute dynamic again as you have described i have no plans of reading this but i enjoyed (laughs) the ride you're welcome you're welcome um, but yeah, I shipped them, and then the Raylo is really what probably started her writing this book, so obviously we shipped them, and they're the biggest ship. Uh, the second ship is Holden and Malcolm, uh, which is Finn and Poe, which I think the store, or the ship name is Storm Pilot, oh, okay. which we love. Cute. Um, and I, try to, I also try to come up with the names Holcomb. Holcomb. Yeah. And Malden. <laughs> Malden. Both of those are better than Ol Adam or Adolive. Yep. So. Yes. But Olive is a difficult one to merge. Ad- I'm going to keep Ad- trying it? to think of things. We've moved on. I can't. <laughs> um, but I ship Holden and Malcolm because they're my favorite. And they immediately, like, with... Olive and Adam, they both had some, like, things to overcome before they could admit that they are in love with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, Malcolm and Holden are immediately looking for a long-term relationship. They flirt with each other, and they fall in love, and then they start hanging out with each other, like, immediately. They are self-actualized. They're just like, I know what I want. I know what I need. I go to therapy. Basically. And um, one of the things, like, Olive talks to Adam when they first start going out. And she's like, I just want to make sure. Because Malcolm usually falls in love really quickly. And uh, Adam is like, oh, Holden is ready to, like, file taxes jointly. Like, we don't have to worry. (laughs) (laughs) So they're just, uh, they're very cute. And I wish we would have gotten something for them in the actual movie. Yeah. Whatever. I do Whatever. I, I don't Whatever. even really care for Raylo, but I agree on that front. I did notice the yeah. bromance, and they're cowards. That's all it is. Mm, Disney. Yeah. The mouse. the mouse. I love how we call I call it the mouse, but it's really, like, a bunch of people. <laughs> Big Mouse Incorporated. Yep. It's the mouse. And... <laughs> The last one is on Jeremy, which we don't really get a lot of Jeremy in the book. 
just that their relationship wanting to happen started the entire plot of the right. book line. So, yeah. um, Jeron, which is like my brother's name, or <laughs> Anami. <laughs> Anami. That's kind of fun. Which my computer, like it kept trying to correct it to anime. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. I like Anami. Um, I I guess I have to ship them because they're apparently a cornerstone relationship. Yeah. But I, they don't have to stay together. Yeah. They just wanted to hook up. They're fine. Uh, like, they have fun together, and obviously they both like each other a lot, so we're going to – we'll ship them. They're great. Um, there, and there were a lot of other, like, outside characters – so I just have a bromance of Holden and Adam because they're uh, bestest buds and Holden likes to tell these stories about Adam because Adam keeps everything very close to the vest, but they like love each other and it's mentioned like several times. It's like you can tell the way that they talk about each other, that they uh, care about each other and they have for a long time. Very cute. Like, um... Holden was telling this story about one of their high school proms. So Holden and this one other boy, they were the only two people that were out in their school. It was an all-boys school. And so they were going out, and the other boy broke up with Holden literally the day before prom. And so when he told Adam that, Adam took him to prom, and he brought him a flower. Aww. It was so cute. I love that. So part of gold underneath black clothing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> people are put off by, like, not super gregarious personalities, but mm-hmm. if you have friends like that, that, like, see the good in you, then mm-hmm. that adds to your reputation. Yes. I'm always going to be worried if people don't have friends that are cool. Yeah. Yeah, your friends say a lot about you. Like, if it's all of the friends that are not cool, like, every single one... Then I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you're just really good at hiding right. stuff. Yeah. I've been making friends or acquaintances and I meet their friends and I'm like, what is the connection here? What do you guys talk about? <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So I'm always like, all right, who are your friends? I would like to hang out with them. But yeah, I feel like all the ships, we ship them. Yeah. Because like, there's not really... The conflict in this book is Olive and Adam not realizing that they really do love each other, and then all obviously Tom Benson being a terrible person. I ship Tom Benson with, um, I can't even think. I ship Tom Benson <laughs> with the Mayflower, because I wish that he's been dead for centuries. There we go. <laughs> Beautiful. Flawless execution. Yeah. <laughs> I had to rev up for that one. That was good. That, like, reminds me of the, like, oh, what is it about the magazine issues? (laughs) Canceled my subscription because I'm done with your issues. Yes. That was at that level. That was good. (laughs) But, yes. So, we ship all of it. The, I couldn't think of, like, my favorite quotes. Like, I underlined so much stuff in the book because that's just what I do when I'm reading. Whenever anything is remotely funny or cute, I underline it. (laughs) So I will say that their banter, like when they're on their fake dates, it's top tier banter. It's very fun. It probably was super fun to write. So it's super enjoying to read. So I really do enjoy their banter. 
Banter is important. <laughs> yes. And what was it? One of the things that Olive says makes me, it was like, oh, that's me. When she's talking about her presentation to like when she's going to have to do it, Adam's like, oh, how are you? And she's like, good, fine. Well, I mean, I kind of want to die. It's fine. <laughs> and I'm like, that's how I feel when I have to present for work. Panicking, panicking. Here's a fun fact about me is that we, Marshall and I watch Name That Tune because um, apparently it's an old game show that they redid, which I don't care about. But every time that I bring it up, someone's like, oh, my God, that used to be a show. Did you know that? I'm like, no. But um, <laughs> Jane uh, Krakowski hosts it. And then Randy Jackson is there. But he, like, says, like, two words every episode. He doesn't add anything. <laughs> and basically they play, like, five seconds of a song and you have to name what song it is. That's, like, 90% of the show. And I love it. And I get very into it every time. And I almost always get it like it's rare that i don't because it's just mostly pop songs like from the last like 50 years the other day at work i was thinking about being on the show i was imagining myself on the show and just the (laughs) thought of that made me feel so high i I was (laughs) my heart was beating so hard my face was flush just at the thought of standing at the little podium and being like, hey, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> and so I know oh, I would be goodness. just like her having to present like my treasured work to a bunch of people oh, by gosh. public speaking. Nightmare. It would. Yeah, I like it's always like it goes well when I do it, but I'm so nervous about it. And yeah. I hate preparing it for some reason. It just feels like you're going to die. I don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's anxiety, Our bodies are like, our bodies are just like, we're not ready for this. They're like, are you sure you want to do this? You could die, yep. literally. Yep. <laughs> so are we on to our fun quizzy questions? Yes. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So first question I want to ask, would pushing Daisy's rules work in this universe of this book? I think that they would, like if we're thinking about the relationship between Pie Maker and mm-hmm. Chuck, uh, being Adam and mm-hmm. Olive, like the scene was very spicy, but I feel like they are tender enough characters to be together without having sex. <laughs> uh, Malcolm and Holden, I don't think so. I don't think they could do it. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't feel like in their banter and in other parts of the book, it's not hypersexual because of the nature of Olive's relationship with sex. That makes yeah. sense. So it's not like she's, that's like never on the table for them. Uh, I think, I think Olive even said that at like the very beginning, like her rules, there may have been something about kissing. I don't remember exactly all of her rules, but I think she like laid it out. It's like, this is a fake relationship. <laughs> I should have clarified, but pushing Daisy's rules are basically they can't touch unless they're touching through like something thick, like a rubber glove or one because they'll yeah, die. Or, or plastic <laughs> plastic wrap at one point, which doesn't seem thick enough to me, but whatever. I can't get over the saran wrap kiss. It was adorable. <laughs> it's iconic. Yeah. It's great. Okay. <laughs> but yes, I think that they could do it. <laughs> great. Any other questions we want to ask? I really, I really like the, where would the Jonas Brothers be in the story? <laughs> Where would, okay, all right, so where would we place 
Uh, let's do an easy one. I think Joe would be easiest to place. So okay. Joe is gregarious. He's funny. Everyone loves him. So he would be Holden, right? Yeah, I think so. And what about Nick? We don't want to get... <laughs> I was like, we don't want to get, like, incestuous here. Because <laughs> uh, obviously I'm imagining, like, Holden and Malcolm being, like, both super attractive. And I'm like, Nick and Joe are also both super attractive. Sorry, Kevin. He's used to it. <laughs> Kevin has a wife and children. He doesn't need it anymore. Yeah. I mean, all of them have wives, and all of them are gonna have children. Oh Wait, is, gosh. Are, is Priyanka pregnant? Uh, they're having a baby via surrogate. Oh, okay. I know that So they're Joe all... and Sophie had their baby, I think. Oh, my god. I like that couple. That's a, I don't give a shit about celebrity couples, but that's one that they I seem enjoy. Fun. Um, they seem fun. They seem fun. So Nick, okay, who could Nick be? I could see Nick being a secret asshole. He could be Tom. Could be. You hate to see it. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. And again, we know you're listening. Sorry. Yes, to Nick Jonas, who is listening to this podcast <laughs> while you're working out, leg day. I know. Yeah. Uh, we're sorry. It's not real. It's fine. But that's where you would be. Um, I think that Kevin would be a good Jeremy because we don't really know a lot about him. <laughs> But obviously he's great, and Ahn uh-huh. loves him. Something so. about him, apparently. <laughs> There's something there for Danielle. Oh my gosh. But yes, I think that that fits out pretty well. All right. And I don't mean to disparage Kevin. He is. He just reminds me of Tom Cruise with a perm. So, not Tom Cruise, Tom <laughs> Hanks. Tom, Tom Hanks, the other Tom. He does. We Googled it the other day. It, she's, it's true. Go Google it yourself. <laughs> that was my hypothesis. <laughs> Proven. Okay. All right. That's it. That was Love Hypothesis. We hope that you enjoyed it. And also, if you liked it, obviously go look up her other books because there's four more coming out. Yeah. I'm probably going to order the one about the snow because it looks cute. Oh, yeah. And that one has the the girl that might not be white the only one right yes that's okay. the main that's also a main reason why i want to read that one <laughs> yeah that's fair. that's fair so yeah so uh hope you enjoyed this episode um you can always uh comment on our social media posts to figure out like what we're going to be reading next or if you like this episode go ahead and engage in those socials for us we would appreciate it greatly If you would like to get in touch with us, don't kiss a stranger and then create a fake dating scenario only to fall in love. You can find us on Instagram at litandlovepod, or you can email us kind suggestions, praise, and um, Star Wars (laughs) Fury at litandlovepod at gmail.com. Again, you can direct your Star Wars hate to me, (laughs) Haley, the one that sounds congested. Because I will just take your hate and bury it deep in my heart and allow the pressure and anxiety of my everyday life to turn it into a diamond. And then we'll be rich, and then we can do whatever we want. There you go. Looking forward to that. All right. We will uh, be in your ears next time. (laughs) Goodbye. Next time. Bye. Bye.